today is from the first letter of John, chapter 2, from verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is the word of the Lord. So Will is going to come and speak to us now, but I'm just going to pray for him before he starts. Father God, we just thank you so much for, for Will and um, Jesus that you've put these words on his heart to share with us today. Jesus, I just pray that our hearts would be open to what he's got to say and that your Holy Spirit will be working through him and speaking to us. Amen. Amen. Amazing. So I've got quite into podcasts in the last year and a half. Does anyone else like a podcast listener? Yeah? Great. Um, there's like, it's just growing. Like the amount of people listening to podcasts, it's just going up and up and up. But I was listening to a podcast about a year ago, and on it was a guy called Mark Sayers. You might have heard of him. I don't necessarily expect you to, but um, he's a church leader in Australia. And um, what's interesting about Mark is Mark is someone who was... Um, right at the heart of what um, has been called the missional movement in the church. It's something that's still kind of going on today. And um, Mark was part of a church called, uh, and still is, Red Church, um, along with a guy called Alan Hirsch, who are real pioneers in this movement. And basically, for the uninitiated, what the missional movement said is it, it, it said this. It said, we kind of expect people to come to us with church and to come to where we are. Um, and that's not really working. And so what we've got to do is we've got to go out there and do church where people are. And so they changed the way their whole church worked, um, and they sent their people to go and do church at the pub and go and do church at the gym and at work. And um, Mark was speaking about this because, um, because it had failed. Um, the church had nearly died, and loads of people had lost their faith. And... I was really struck by this um, and by what he said, because what Mark said was this, and I'll quote him. He said, you see, the thing is, we sent our people out to the pub to see the people at the pub become more like Jesus. But the problem is that we became more like the people at the pub. And that really struck me, because I was like, well... What kind of a person am I becoming? What kind of a person are we becoming? You know, are we becoming more like Jesus, or are we just becoming increasingly like the world around us? And, and like, what's shaping that? What's forming that? What's shaping the kind of person that we're becoming? And do we even know? Are we even conscious of that, or is it just happening to us without us realizing? So I want to look at 1 John today, because I think... He's speaking into this very kind of issue. Um, is it on the screen? It is, amazing. If not, um, do grab uh, a Bible if you've got one with you. Uh, turn to it. 1 John is right near the back. Um, 
So John's writing, he's writing to a church, he's writing a letter actually, um, but he says this, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now, I don't know, maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, but I really easily read passages of Scripture and immediately kind of project the worst of everyone else into it and the best of myself into it. Yeah? And so I'll read a passage like this, and I'll be like, oh, well, that's all right, I'm not doing that. Um, that that's not really me, or I'm a tiny bit, but not really. Because we, we immediately kind of loving the world, you know, if you've been around a Christian circle long enough, you know, people talk about worldliness and the world out there and, you know, loving the world. And all these kind of things jump to mind. And all the things that tend to jump to mind are the things that we don't do, which is amazing because they're just a really saintly bunch, right? Um, the, the problem is that's not reality. Um, and so I think often what happens is we think of that and we think, oh, that's the people who are doing, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. Or we think, because we're not particularly concerned with fashion or image, that, oh, well, that's the people who um, are concerned about that stuff, unlike me, because I don't love the world. Or it's the people who are overly concerned with success. But I'm not concerned with success. That's good. I, I don't love the world, therefore. Um, but is that what it really means? Or is it a bit bigger than that? Because I think we, we want to know, because what's at stake here, you know, is implicit in the passage, is quite a lot. John uh, says, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father, or you could even say the Father's love, is not in them. What does that mean? If the love of God is not in us, if love for God is not in us, what does that mean? Well, that means that the person we're becoming is not going to be a person who is like Jesus. Because we become like what we love. We become like what we love. And so if we love God, if we love Jesus, he is going to be increasingly shaping us and molding us and remaking us to be more of the people that we're created to be by God. If we don't love him, if that's not the direction, the kind of telos that our lives are going in, then what happens? We love other stuff. We love the world, whatever that means. And that's going to be shaping us, and that's going to be forming us into people who are kind of less than who we're created to be, into distortions of what it means to be human. We're going to be becoming less loving, less patient, less generous, less kind, less bold, less confident in who we're made to be by God. So quite a lot's at stake here. So what then does it mean to love the world? Because we don't just want to be nonchalant about this. Good news, um, John's bothered to tell us, which is good of him. Um, so he says this, he says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So we've got all these things, and let's describe them as kind of like pulls. We've got all these things that have a pulling influence on us, that draw us to certain ways of being and doing. And John says they're, they're these things. And let's not use the word lust because I think we immediately disassociate ourselves with it because it's overtly negative. So let's use desire because I think it helps us spot it in our lives. So if we translate it like this and we say, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life, all these things are pulling us. They're things that are kind of in the world around us that are pulling us in different directions to live a certain way and be a certain person. So what do they mean? 
the desire of the flesh. What's the desire of the flesh? The flesh is our kind of like, our kind of broken selves. And so it's the desires that we have within us that we experience every day that say, I need this, I want this, but that aren't actually good for us, but we don't necessarily realize. And so it can be as simple as that's the desire that, you know, you come in from a long day at work and you're tired, and so you think, oh, I'm tired, I need something, therefore I must need a glass of wine. And it's not that a glass of wine's a bad thing, but if a glass of wine becomes a way in which you're basically dependent on for kind of relaxation and happiness, it's become something you're depending on, which ultimately becomes something that you love, which ultimately shapes you into a person who needs wine. And actually what we really need is Jesus. And, you know, this can play in a number of ways. It could be, you know, a desire for a, a kind of relationship, um, desire for food, but they're those innate kind of things that we just feel within us, oh, I really need this, I really want this, and it pulls us to certain types of behavior and action. Second, the desire of the eyes. The desire of the eyes are the the things that we see that make us go, oh, I want that, that then makes us go, well, I'm going to pursue it. And so we've all experienced this. Um, It's what happens when you, uh, let's say, go into a shop. You know, you've gone into a shop, you've gone in for a pair of jeans, you need a pair of jeans, and in the shop, you're like, oh my goodness, that jumper, what? oh, I didn't know it before, but I need a new jumper, like, I didn't know this, like, how, how have I been living with these tatty jumpers? Now I've seen this jumper, like, and I've just bought these new jeans and they look really nice, I mean, I can't wear new jeans with a scruffy old jumper, so maybe I need this new jumper. It's something that we've seen that pulls us to act a different way. You know, it can play out when we go around to someone's house and they've just put in a new kitchen and they seem really happy and they've cooked a nice dinner and we go around and we're like, oh, I feel sad now because my kitchen is seven years old and, and the cupboards aren't looking as they once used to and it, it was fashionable at the time but it's not fashionable now and maybe that's why I'm feeling a bit unhappy. And so we see it and we think gosh well maybe that's going to sort me out. Maybe that's going to it's never quite this conscious, is it? But it's the undertone of what's going on. And we go home and and we suddenly are like researching kitchens and looking at what's there and it starts to consume our life and our energy and our time and it's not this wrong to put a new kitchen in. It's just where has that urge come from? Has it come from God? I want to suggest, probably not. So where's it come from? Where has the desire, when we go into a shop and we see that jumper and we think, oh, I really want that, or we go into um, the patisserie and it's like, well, I wasn't hungry before, but now I want to eat everything. Like, oh, it's not just me. Um, Like, where's that come from? Where's that come from? And, And what's that shaping us into? And is it good? And do we even know? Are we even conscious of it? And lastly, he says the pride of life. What's the pride of life? The pride of life is all the ways in which we kind of posture our life such that others can be in some way impressed. Whether that's the pursuit of a certain career because it's you know, the respectable one and we want to look respectable. Whether that's um, you know, just wanting to put on a front of everything being together and we're okay in life, even though really inside we're a mess and we know that, but we just don't want to tell anyone that because they might think we're rubbish. 
Like, it's any way in which we posture ourselves to try and look good before others, or we live our life to try and impress. And it goes on all the time, all the time where we're wanting to please people. It's, you know, what happens in that conversation where someone's saying, are you having a busy week? And we almost fall over ourselves to, like, say how busy we are, because if we weren't busy, we're, we're useless, right? That's the undercurrent. But where does that come from? Why do we want to look good like that? Why do we feel the need to look respectable? Why? Where's it, where's it coming from? Because it's not coming from Jesus. And here's the thing. What it means to love the world ultimately is, is to allow ourselves to be pulled by these things, to allow ourselves to be shaped by these things. And the problem is this. Because it's so normal, because everyone does it, because we all think like this. Because, you know, it's not abnormal to just go into the bakery and, like, you see the cake and, oh, you're like, oh, yeah, of course you should have that. Of, of course, you know, if you're feeling your kitchen looks slightly unfashionable, you should do it up. Like, because that's just the way everyone thinks in church and outside. Because it's the way, you, you know, your grandson thinks and your, your mum thinks and your friend thinks and your husband thinks. We don't stop to question it, and so we don't see it for what it is, and so therefore we kind of just drift along unwittingly, not knowing the ways in which actually we're being shaped and molded and pulled into being a certain kind of person by the world around us. And what I want to say this morning, and if you're a note-taking person, like, um, and you write nothing else down, this is it. I think the ultimate truth is this. We don't become more like Jesus by accident. We don't become more of the people we're created to be by God by accident. But the problem is we do become less like him by accident. We become less like him by accident because the world shapes us and carries it along with itself. I went, um, we go quite regularly actually, on holiday to apparently where everyone else does. Um, yeah, you know it, Pembrokeshire. Um, and uh, we, we were on, um, uh, last summer, we went to White Sands Beach. I don't need to describe it. I know you know it. Um, in St. David's. I suspect some of you were there. I, sorry, I didn't say hello. Um, but uh, we were there, and I, we went in bodyboarding. And it takes a bit for me to go in the sea, um, because I'm like, I, I can't really be bothered to get wet and have the faff of like, drying my wetsuit out, unless the waves are massive. Because it's just not worth the bother. I need a certain level of kind of like octane and danger for it to be worth it. Um, Katie, on the other hand, less into that. And so we went out bodyboarding, and um, she's sort of catching waves sort of in, in the shallows. And I'm like, well, I'm going as deep as possible. Um, I want to catch them where they're breaking at their biggest. So I swam out, and I, I'm catching these waves, and I'm going in, and I'm going out, and you know, there's people around me, and you know, we're all doing it together, and we're having a laugh. And, I looked up at one point and I was like, that's really weird. The lifeguards have moved. What? It's a bit unsafe. Like I went in their area, you know, they're like now 100 meters down the beach. And the rocks have moved too, which is <laughs> strange. And then I suddenly realized, I've moved. I've moved. And, and, I, and I suddenly started to feel it. I didn't realize it when I was catching the waves in and out because everyone around me was kind of around me and they were doing the same thing. But there was this big current that was actually sweeping um, rightwards along the beach. 
And every time I took a wave in, it took me a bit to the side. Every time I kind of walked back out, it took me a bit to the side. But I didn't realize. And I didn't realize because everyone around me was going to the right at the same pace that I was, and so I didn't see it. That's what it's like living in the world. It's like bodyboarding at White Sands. It rains a lot. <laughs> but you, you, know, you, you, you sit there and you get swept along, but you don't realize. Because you're catching the waves in and out, you're just doing your normal life, you're just doing your thing. And I think we often think we live in a neutral space as the world and we kind of control it rather than it controlling us. That's not true. Um, that's not how it works. And, and advertisers know this. Advertisers know this. Have you ever seen how like, advertisers appeal to us? They don't sell you a product going, you know, you, no one sells a car saying, um, buy this car, it's comfortable, it does really good, you know, miles to the gallon, um, it's, you know, got a lot of boot space. What do they sell you? They, they sell you a lifestyle. They sell you a lifestyle. You've got this car going through the rolling hills, good-looking couple, age-dependent, depending on what the car is, having a lot of fun. You know, if it's a younger couple, they might get surfboard out and go to the beach because they're relaxed. And they sell you a lifestyle. Why? Because they're appealing to your desires. They're appealing to your desires, and we're kind of being manipulated on all these levels without even realizing it. We're drifting with the tide without even realizing it. And so if we just kind of do life as we do life, just do what we do and kind of drift through life, hoping that somehow God's going to work it all out. We're going to be drifting with the tide. If we want to become people who are more like Jesus, we've got to make a conscious decision. And we've got to think it through. Because if we don't, and if we don't posture our life in the right way, then what's going to happen is we're just going to drift with the tide. And when I was on White Sands, I, I stopped, and I realized where I was, and I realized that I was kind of out of step with the lifeguards. I, I, I had to make a decision. Well, I either kind of just carry on doing this, and I've then got a very long walk at the end of the, uh, uh, of the day, or, or I've, got to, I've got to actively swim against the tide. I've got to actively swim against the tide. And, and I started swimming against the tide, and because the current was still going, at first, I basically stayed stationary. I had to really swim against the tide to get anywhere. And I think that's the truth for us. We've, we've got to make an active decision to swim against the tide of the world. What does it look like to do that? I mean, John says in here, um, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world, because if everyone loves, anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. What's the opposite of that? It's love God, isn't it? If we love God, then love for the Father will be in this. You know, and so how do we swim against the tide? Well, we, we grow in our love for Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, I think what we need to do is we need to actively make decisions to shape our lifestyle, to shape our kind of rhythm of life, to posture us in such a way that we're ever more increasingly open to what Jesus is wanting to do in and through us. We've got to posture our lives in such a way that we're ever more creating space for the presence of God to come and to change us and to renew us and to restore us. And so the question is this then. What does your current rhythm of life, what does your current lifestyle look like? And, 
is it one that's lived in such a way that it's creating space for Jesus in your life? Creating space for him to shape you, him to mold you? Because if it isn't, or if you don't know, I want to suggest that there's a danger that you're just going to be swept along by the tide. But it doesn't have to be that way because Jesus, like I was saying you know, a, a few weeks ago, wants to change us, wants to renew us. We've just got to let him. We've just got to let him. We've just got to order and position our lives in such a way that our whole life is one big kind of prayer almost of God change me. And so if that's you this morning and you're like, gosh, I've never thought about that. I, that, I have no idea. What I want to say is this. First of all, do not be condemned. Like, condemnation is something that comes from the enemy. Like, don't be condemned. Um, don't feel bad. Don't be like, oh, I'm such a terrible Christian. I'm rubbish. Like, rubbish. Absolute nonsense. That's not what Jesus speaks over you. Don't be condemned, but do be invited. You know, God is not a God who stands behind us with a whip going, come on, you're failing, you're rubbish, sort it out. He's a God who stands in front of us with open arms going, come here, there's more. Come here, there's more. Like, I just want you to know more of me and more of my love for you. I want you to enjoy more of what I've got planned for you in your life. It's always an invitation of grace. And so I think this morning there is an invitation of grace for us to re-examine our lives and to come before God and to just ask him, Lord, can you help me here? Can you just show me in my life how I might just maybe change one little thing, just make one small amendment, one little step to just open my life out to more of what you're wanting to do in me so that I can grow my love for you and not be pulled by all these things around me. And that's what I want us to do in a moment. I want us to just come before God and ask that. And it might be as simple as just what I was talking about last week. And last week I was... um, uh, you know, I said that maybe actually a way in which we can grow in our awareness of the presence of God is to just carve out time for it. And that could start simply by just five minutes at the same time, in the same place, every day. Put the phone away, get rid of distractions, get someone to look after the kids for you know, five minutes or wait till they've gone to bed. And just spend five minutes just literally being in the presence of God. It, it, it could just simply be that. It doesn't need to be everything at once, but let's take a step and a step and a step and a step, and a step, and we take lots of tiny little steps, and we find that we've moved forward. We find that we've grown in our love for Jesus. we found that he's renewing us, and slowly but surely making us more and more increasingly into the people he's made us to be, and that makes us people who are an increasing blessing and renewing presence in the world. That makes us a church that is an increasing blessing and presence in the world. It happens because we let him change us. And so what I want to do now is just give us a couple of minutes to just come before God and ask that question of, Lord, what way in my life could I maybe, and maybe we're already down this road a bit, um, and, and for us it's a step further rather than a first step, but where in my life could I maybe just make a change to just create a bit more space for you? Can you show me that this morning? Should we pray and then we'll just have a bit of silence just to allow Jesus to speak to us and for us to speak to him? Jesus, thank you that you are a God who's always drawing us deeper into you, who's wanting us to be shaped to be the people we're made to be, who's not wanting us to be carried along with the tides of the world wherever they lead us. And Lord, that's not what we want to be. We want to respond to you, and we want to be people who posture our lives in openness before you. And so I just pray now 
you just show us maybe one way, one little step that we could take forward in our life to create a bit of space for you. Let's just have a couple of minutes of silence for just us to speak to God and allow him to speak to us. You're here, you're meeting with us, you're speaking to us, and I, I pray you continue to do, do that, both now in our time together, but also as we go away, Lord, continue this conversation with us, grow us, and we thank you, Lord, that you're always there. You help us even to just grow in our love for you. You don't leave us on our own to sort that out, but you help us. And help us to depend on you in that and help us to invite you to guide us in that, I pray. Amen. We're going to stay in a posture of prayer now um, as we uh, continue praying together.